Welcome to the teaching ministry at Magnolia's First. We hope the next few minutes will help you take your next steps on your faith journey. And we would love to help you take those next steps. Just head over to m1bc.org and fill out the connect form and a pastor will get in touch with you very soon. Or you can text us at 281-343-3033. Well, uh, let me continue our series entitled Family Plan. And the byline there is the biblical model for marriage and family. And I entitled it that way because I'm not setting out to criticize the many unbiblical models that there, there are in our culture. We're all aware of them. And so to rail against them would not be helpful for us. But rather what I want to do, instead of criticizing those who are not committed to biblical faith, I want to hold up the biblical model. I want to present what the Lord says, the one who created us, is best for marriage and family. So that's the purpose and intent of this series. And uh, I had intended to preach the entire series from Mother's Day to Father's Day, and that was not by accident, Uh, but I was unable to be here the first two weeks, and I'm so grateful to Pastor Milt bringing those messages, but I want to re-preach them quickly in capsule form uh, because I want you to hear the intent and the flow and the symmetry of this series. Week one began on Mother's Day, and the title of the message was The Equal Partner, The Equal Partner, based on 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. The apostle Peter said, in the same way, You husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, and make no mistake, the only context that that is referring to is physically. She is not weaker than us in any other way, guys. Uh, Maybe physically because of the way God made us physiologically, but in every other way she is at least equal. She may be weaker physically than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And how important is that spiritually to you husbands? Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. With the clear inference, if you don't, your prayers will be hindered. Now, There are two differing and and somewhat contradictory interpretations of the role uh, of husband and wife, man and woman, uh, in the Scripture among evangelical Christians. You may not be familiar with these two terms, but there is the egalitarian interpretation. There is the complementarian interpretation. Let Let me explain those. There are those who take the scripture that says, and you know the scripture, in Christ there is no Jew nor Greek, male nor female. Remember that scripture? Okay, and they take that to mean that there is no difference in the roles and opportunities of men and women in the home or in the church. They are equal not only in value and in honor before the Lord, but equal in any opportunity or any function. That's the egalitarian view. The complementarian view says they are certainly, as 1 Peter 3, 7 says, equal in value and honor and worth 
before the Lord, but there are different roles that each are to play that complement one another in God's design and structure. And so I just want you to understand that this pastor and this church fall on the complementarian side of that equation. We believe that Scripture teaches husbands and wives are equal in value. They're equal in honor. There is no superior-inferior relationship between men and women, husbands and wives, in either the home or the church. But there are different roles that each are to play according to a God who is a lot smarter than we are. And so we're going to unpack that later on from Ephesians chapter 5. But where some believe that having different roles and functions diminishes the value of the woman or the wife, we believe that is not at all what Scripture means, that they are of equal value. In fact, and we'll see this in Ephesians 5 a little later in the message, The husband is to give leadership to the family, but that has more to do with responsibility than authority. That concept has been been mistaught and misapplied that the husband's supposed to be the big boss who orders the wife and the children around. That's not the biblical model. He is to give leadership, not authoritarianism. He is to be the servant leader, and we'll look at that in greater detail. So biblical marriage is an equal partnership between husband and wife. It is a unified life journey. It is never to become a power struggle. So that was week one, the equal partner. Uh, Last week was week two, and the title was For Better or Worse, and it has to do with commitment in marriage. And here's what I wanted to convey. As a matter of fact, God gave me this whole message as I was sitting in the waiting room of the emergency department at Methodist Hospital in the medical center. There was chaos going on all around me, but God was speaking to my heart. And I'm typing on my phone as God put these truths in my heart, and I I texted all that to Pastor Milt, and he shaped it and made it his own Uh, message. But here is what God said for me to clearly communicate to you, that where you might assume that when we talk about commitment in marriage, we're just talking about commitment between husband and wife. And that's a part of it. But here's what I believe with all my heart. There must be three levels of commitment for a marriage to be biblically and spiritually healthy, and the commitment to each other It's not number one, it's number three. And so here's what I want us to understand that I believe deeply. For a Christian marriage to be healthy, three levels of commitment are essential. Here's the first, commitment to the Lordship of Christ. That's number one. That both individually, the husband and the wife, and collectively, as husband and wife, The very first commitment must be to the Lord Jesus Christ. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if that is not in place, the marriage will not be healthy as God intended. Uh, And Pastor Milt uh, mentioned to you a book called Sacred Marriage. If you can remember that, Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas 
Uh, he introduced that book to our staff, and it's one of the best, if not the best, I've ever read on the biblical model of marriage. And, and how this is true, and this seems surprising to some. The primary purpose of Christian marriage is not the happiness of the spouses. Now, follow me here. So you ask some people, well, what do you think is most important in marriage? And, and what do you want most out of marriage? And they'll say, to be happy. But we contend, and that book really says it very well, the primary purpose, the primary purpose of Christian marriage is not the happiness of the spouses. The primary purpose is to reveal Jesus to the world. To reveal Jesus to the world. But the good news is the natural byproduct of that kind of marriage will be happiness. If Jesus is first, if you, if you put him on the throne, he'll take care of making you happy if you follow him. So the first level of commitment is to the lordship of Christ. The second level is commitment to take Scripture seriously. Seriously. Evangelicals are good at giving lip service to Scripture. But when it comes to digging into the Word of God and finding the principles that apply to all relationships and specifically marriage, sometimes they are woefully inconsistent. And so the second level of commitment must be to take Scripture seriously. And if you mind the passages of the New Testament, you will find there are an abundance of Scriptures that apply to every relationship, but especially and primarily to the marriage relationship. Let me just give you a few quickly. Can you listen quickly? Okay, here we go. James 1, 19 and 20. James said, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must, imperative, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There's way too much out-of-control anger in many Christian marriages today. Here's another one. Colossians 3, 12 and 13, the Apostle Paul. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must, imperative again, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone. And you could put in there, forgive your spouse who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. One more. There are many more, but one more. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What I'm trying to say is, if you're going to have a biblical marriage that all that God intended and desired for it to be, there must be a commitment 
to take Scripture seriously. And one of the challenges that I asked Pastor Milt to give you last week was this. Search the Scripture daily. Search the Scripture daily for truth that could and should be applied to your marriage. So commitment to the Lordship of Christ, commitment to take Scripture seriously, and then commitment to each other. Uh, If you're married or you've ever been married, you probably had vows similar to the traditional vows uh, to love and cherish one another in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, till death do us part. Something similar to that. Did you not? Do you remember that? Well, the commitment is this, take those seriously. You meant them on that day, mean them for all of your life. Because here's the reality, there are going to be times when you're not going to feel like staying committed. There are going to be times in which the, the circumstances and situations and challenges of life will attack your marriage and your heart. And it will be your commitment to the Lord, your commitment to live out Scripture, and your commitment to each other that will enable you to survive in those kinds of times. You must have an unwavering commitment to each other. You must live with the integrity of one that is determined to keep the promises and the vows you made to God and to each other. So those were the first two sermons in the series. So today we come to two simple words that are incredibly profound. They are love and respect. Something that is essential in every Christian marriage, love and respect. Uh, Some of you may have heard the name Dr. Emerson Egricks. Uh, He and his wife, Sarah, lead a a marriage enrichment ministry uh, entitled Love and Respect, and they have written a book by that title. I want to share with you a quote from that book that Emerson made. Listen closely. When a husband feels disrespected, it is especially hard to love his wife. When a wife feels unloved, it is especially hard to respect her husband. Ultimately, speaking to Christ followers, you practice love or respect because beyond your spouse, you see Jesus Christ and you envision a moment when you will be standing before him at the final judgment, realizing that your marriage was really a tool and a test to deepen and demonstrate your love and your reverence for your Lord. The two things that are essential for a healthy marriage is love and respect. In their ministry, they contend that the wife needs love more than anything else, and the husband needs respect more than anything else. I wouldn't disagree with that, but I would just say this, both need both. Both need both, love and respect. And nowhere is the model of biblical marriage more clearly and completely described than in Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 21. So that's our main text for today. Let's begin to make our way through it. 
Ephesians 5, 21. Some people, when they teach this concept, start with verse 22. That's a big mistake. Verse 21 is the overarching foundation for the entire concept. Ephesians 5, 21. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I say that because this, marriage is built on mutual submission. Okay, some teach it, it's only wives are to be submitted to the husbands. No, that's an unbalanced and inappropriate view. Christian marriage is all about mutual submission. You are to submit to each other out of reverence for the Lord. Verse 22, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Now, this has been a a difficult concept for some to grow. What does that even mean? What does it mean the husband's the head of the wife? What does it mean to to submit to him? Does that mean that he's to be the big boss who barks out orders? No, that's not what that means. Uh, I think for us to understand the original intent of the Apostle Paul in this, uh, a great benefit has been given to the church by the late Eugene Peterson, who was a pastor who paraphrased paraphrased all of the Bible. We call it the message. And I think he truly captured the intent and he put it in clear, understandable language of the Apostle Paul of Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. So look at these with me closely again from the message. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church. How's that, Paul? Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So, just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. The husbands are to be the leaders in the home. And as I said earlier, that has more to do with responsibility than authority. It does not mean that I have the authority to tell Cindy how we're going to do things. That's in direct contradiction to 1 Peter 3, 7 that says she's my equal partner. But it does mean that I am not to put the burden of leadership on her shoulders. I'm to carry that burden on my shoulders. That as we communicate about every significant issue in life, in marriage, in family, in faith, in finances, you name it. As we communicate and respect one another... And we come, because here's the thing, if God has a will in any given matter, he's not going to tell me one thing and her another. That if we are together in seeking the will of God, not trying to figure out who's smarter or, or who's more powerful in some situation, no, but if we're seeking the will of God, he's going to communicate the same message to us. 
And where we would like him to speak clearly, don't we wish he'd send us an email or a text? There are times, and you know this in your experience, where we're struggling to hear what God is saying. We're struggling to know what he wants to be done in any given situation. And there are times that you come up against a deadline and you have to make a decision and you're not completely sure what God is saying. Have you ever had that experience? Where you just, you want to do the right thing. You want to do what pleases God, but you're just not sure. And a decision has to be made. And in those rare kinds of experiences, somebody's got to step up and take responsibility. And if a mistake is going to be made, you're not going to put it on your wife. You're going to take responsibility for it. And she's going to say, honey, I trust you. We prayed. We've talked. We've sought counsel. We've got to make a decision. I trust you as the leader of our home. The husband is to carry that burden. Do you see what I'm trying to say? It's not about authority. It's about responsibility. You are not an authoritarian boss. You are a servant leader who seeks to do what is right before God with your equal partner in life. And so I think Eugene Peterson nailed it when he translated that to say it is leadership not by domineering, not a boss who calls the shots and is the big ego in the house, not by domineering, but by cherishing, by protecting, by loving as a servant leader. And then he goes on, and let's go back to the New Living Translation, to the husbands in verse 25. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. How are you to lead and love your wife and your family just as Christ Love the church. Now stop and think, well, what does that mean? How did he love the church? He sacrificed for her. And by the way, the church is us, right? The people of God, those who have become followers of Jesus by faith in him. He loved us by sacrificing for us, by putting us before himself when he went to the cross for our sins by being unselfish, by being forgiven. He didn't place blame on her. He took the blame for her. He was and is her eternal protector, not for what he could gain from it, but what he could give to her in his sacrifice for us. Why did he do all this? Verse 27, He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Does that grab your heart and mind, what Christ did for us? 
how unselfish he was for us, how sacrificial he was for us, how he loved us in the most unselfish way imaginable. That's how husbands are to love their wives. Whatever love required, he gave. Whatever she needed, he provided. That's our model, husbands, to love our wives. Verse 28, in the same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. This is an interesting analogy. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. For no one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Now think about this imagery and analogy. Nobody wounds or injures their own body. If someone injures their body, there's a very self-destructive trend among young people today called cutting. Are you familiar with that? And if a young person cuts themselves, injures their own body, they have an emotional problem or they're mentally ill. If somebody injures or wounds their own body, Uh, Paul is saying the natural thing is to care for our own body. We seek safety. We seek comfort. We seek security. We seek health. That's just natural. It's right and normal. And that's how we are to care for our wives, husbands, because they have become a part of us. Verse 31, as the Scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. And just as unhealthy and unstable as it would be for a person to wound or injure their own body, so it must be that a husband would wound or injure his wife. Not just physically. Physical abuse is an epidemic in our culture. It's unthinkable. It's inexcusable but not just physically, but emotionally. Listen, there are far more wounds in the hearts of wives than there are bruises upon women in abusive relationships. Words are the most powerful tools. Words can protect, words can nourish, words can build up, or words can wound and destroy. And husbands are not to to treat their wives in ways that they would not treat their own body because of the unity between husband and wife. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Do you want to know what biblical marriage should look like? Look at Christ in the church. Look at how he loves us. Look at how he cares for us. How are we to love each other in Christian marriage? Like he loved us. Unselfish, sacrificial, patient, kind, forgiving, gentle, caring. And we could go on. Verse 33, so again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. 
By the way, the whole sermon is there in verse 33. The whole message, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Have, have any of you ever heard the name Amy Grant? Yeah, Amy Grant is uh, one of our favorite Christian singers. Cindy and I first heard her sing at a Texas Baptist Evangelism Conference when she was a teenager. That was a long time ago, and we were all younger. But uh, we, ha we have enjoyed her music, and uh, she has worked closely with our son, Brian, who works for Compassion International, and Amy has done a number of projects with Compassion. She has a heart for that ministry. In fact, we had a chance to meet her when she did a concert in Houston. And Brian and everybody that knows her says that she is just such a genuine and loving uh, Christian person. And by the way, it doesn't hurt. She's married to another one of our favorite singers, Vince Gill. But that, that's, another, that's another thing. But Amy said something uh, about marriage that, that I thought was worth sharing with you today. So here's her quote. Every good relationship, especially marriage, is based on respect if it's not based on respect, nothing that appears to be good will last very long. I think she's right, don't you? It's based on respect. So I want to leave you as I close the message with these three challenges. Here's the first. If you're married, love one another by serving and caring for each other no matter what is happening around you. Uh, can I just say that, that that time that I spent in the emergency room, waiting uh, room at, at, at Houston Methodist downtown was kind of a microcosm of our culture? I saw one guy wheel down the hall with his hands handcuffed behind his back uh, with a policeman following. Uh, Cindy encountered two that said they were there to commit because they were suicidal uh, there were those who were there seeking drugs, and then there was every assortment of pain and hurt. And, and I mean, it was just chaos. And you know what? That's pretty much the world we live in, is it not? It's just filled with pain and chaos and craziness. And the, the home, the marriage is to be a safe haven, a refuge from that. And so I just say, let the craziness and, and chaos of the world just keep on going because every time you watch the news, you're going to see more about it. But you know what? The Lord told us it'd be that way. We live in a fallen world. But our marriage is to be a safe haven from that. And so for that to be true, love and serve one another. No matter what's going on around you, let that be a place of love and safety and peace because you love and serve one another. Here's the second challenge. Show respect for each other by always building each other up and never tearing each other down. Now, if you're married and you've kind of tuned me out, I want you to come, come back for just, just a minute because I want you to hear this, okay? If somebody's asleep next to you, elbow them because I, I don't want you to miss this. All right? I want to say this as clearly and strongly and unequivocally as I know how. Here it is. Don't miss it. Never, 
never, ever speak negatively to or about your spouse in front of other people. Don't do it. If you've been guilty of that, stop it. Stop it today and don't do it again. Because, here's, here's why I say that, and I say that not just out of admonition, but out of love. I say that because that kind of disrespect will destroy a marriage. It will destroy it. Maybe not immediately, but eventually. Never speak negatively to your spouse or about your spouse in front of other people. And if you speak negatively to or about my wife, my heart may be weak, but it'll rise up against you. But you know what? What you might say about her might hurt her some, but what I say about her will hurt much more. And the same thing is true in your marriage. Here's the last. Never forget if you're a Christ follower, if you're not a Christ follower, this one doesn't apply to you. But if you have professed faith in Christ, you are a Christ follower. Never forget that your attitudes and actions in marriage reflect on your Lord. They reflect on your Lord. And that, as Emerson Egrich said, you are accountable to him for those attitudes and actions. We will someday give an account. And when I stand before my Lord and he asks me about my marriage, I want to be clean. What I've done wrong, I need to seek forgiveness and I need to be filled with God's spirit so that I don't act in ways that bring dishonor to him. How can we do that? Scripture's told us. Husbands, Love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want so much for the marriages of the body of Christ to reflect the teaching of Scripture. And I pray for every husband. I pray for every wife. I pray for every single person that might be here or hearing this message who will someday be married. I pray for those who perhaps never will be married to be an encouragement to those they know who are married. And we know that our marriages are to reflect the way that Christ loves his church. So Father, help us not just to hear the word of God, but with your Spirit's power filling us to put it into practice. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now listen as we close uh, out the message with this. We're going to have a time of prayer. And uh, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand, and our deacons and their wives will come to stand at their front. There'll be someone in the balcony. If you need to pray with someone, you know, don't, don't shut down your, your spiritual heart yet. We're, we're not done. If you need to pray with someone, come and pray with them. These are wonderful, godly leaders in our church. Pray about anything that's going on with you. Pray about somebody for whom you're burdened. 
And if you need to take a step in your spiritual journey, either to receive Christ as Savior or just a step forward in your faith journey, then just tell them, I need to take the next step. That's all you need to say. And they will help you take that next step, whatever it might be. If, if you don't need anything that needs prayer in your life, then will you pray for those in the room who do? Okay? So stand with me, please, as our deacons and their wives come forward. And in these next few moments, if there's something you need to bring to the Lord in prayer, come pray with these good and godly people. If you need to be healed of sickness, come, and Cindy and I will pray over you if you'd like us to do so. Let's pray together.